0: Coming up on the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast, fewer Hoosier high school students are heading to college. What does it mean? Famous cocktail sauce leads to a Hoosier company's expansion. We shine a spotlight on Long's Bakery. Momentum is growing for mega projects. Marion University has a new approach to education. Can golf help build character? And we check in on the week's top stories with our partners at the IBJ and our panel of insiders. Welcome to the Inside Indiana Business Television Podcast. I'm Andy Ober. There's been a dramatic and alarming drop in the number of Hoosier high school seniors heading off to college, but what is the impact on the state's economy and talent pipeline? Indiana Commissioner for Higher Education Chris Lowry joined Inside Indiana Business host Gary Dick with Perspective.
1: These numbers, I said stunning, and they really are a 12 point drop uh, from 65% to 53 uh, over the past uh, five years uh, or, or so. How concerned should we be about these numbers?
2: Uh, I, Gary, I think we have to be very concerned. Uh, you know, We've been sounding the alarm on this. You know, a, a 12 point drop, you know, this is about affecting individual lives. It's about affecting employers, uh, being able to uh, get the talent they need, and, and really uh, our state to thrive. We, we have an incredible economy in our state, and we need uh, people who are trained and educated in order to meet that
1: yeah such an important uh, piece that talent pipeline we talk about it a lot Mike kicks the economist from ball state university he weighed in on that and had some pretty pointed uh, comments on twitter saying it's uh, really uh, difficult to overstate uh, the uh, the challenge that these numbers hard to overstate how bad indiana's long-term prospects are, become, due to the low educational attainment. Basically, uh, do you think that's an overstatement?
2: Yeah, you know, again, we, we're sounding the alarm. I, I, I noticed that Mike uh, forwarded, you know, passed on through Twitter uh, a release that, uh, that our team did last week. Uh, it, you know, when you look at both the need of employers, uh, the, the unemployment rates, we're at a 2.2% unemployment rate. But as you start to look into and dig into that, it really becomes differentiated. It's less than 1% for individuals with a bachelor's degree and higher. But it's nearly five times that for someone with only a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. So, right, the supply and demand starts to speak uh, into those numbers.
1: What's driving this? What's driving this
2: this downward
1: trend in the numbers?
2: Yeah, you know, you noted certainly the pandemic accelerated that in 2020, which were our most recently available numbers. But for some time, I think uh, individuals, consumers, had been questioning the value of uh, training and education beyond high school or, you know, back to the college going rate. And we find principally within that that there are three primary factors. Affordability that's a question Uh, quality and career relevance uh, you know specifically around affordability um you know i i've come to refer to some of these stories as the unicorn you know there's the story of someone who has this uh, i'll pick on university of southern california some odd (laughs) master's degree um and uh, in debt for one hundred fifty thousand dollars and pouring coffee for a living that's just not the normal you know in indiana the advancement through levels of of post-secondary education through training and and, uh, higher education result in lower unemployment, higher wages, high net worth, and average debt is just Mm -hmm. substantially less than that. And by the way, Indiana's colleges and universities are a bargain Mm -hmm. um, and a a good deal, if you will, a good value compared to uh, other states. We're very competitive in that regard. And
1: these colleges and universities here perceived very well
2: outside of the state, attract a lot of of out-of-state students. Yeah, you know, our latest data say that out of 50 states, uh, we are 14th best right. at attracting students from out of state. Right, So the market speaks and says, hey, that's a good value in Indiana. Uh, by the way, most consumers don't know that over the last 10 years, when adjusted for inflation, our state universities and colleges uh, are actually 1% below inflation with regard to tuition increases. Yeah. That's a
1: big deal. How do you turn it around?
2: Yeah, I think what you have to do is look to programs that are promising. We have the 21st Century Scholar Program here in Indiana since 1990. Uh, The percentage of those students going on to some form of education, college, and so Mm -hmm. forth past high school is 81%. So 81% versus 53% targeted at low-income students beginning in middle school, guidance and resources around them. The new Indiana College Corps, which which has been around for a couple of years, uh, a block of 30 hours that a student can earn while in high school for free, transfer them to a state university and have a year complete. the going rate for those students is over ninety percent. We've just got to get more kids uh, on those types of pathways.
1: Uh, and again, we're talking about college, four-year college. Yeah. Uh, but we're also talking about uh, the trades and associate degrees, two-year institutions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think very, beginning very early, we have to make students, whether it's in middle school and I would contend even earlier than that, aware of all of the opportunities that exist. You know, we look at other, uh, we look at other nations, we look at other states and other nations. We can do a better job of making sure students know about trades, about certification programs, two and four year Mm -hmm. degrees. You know, this has to be an all of the above approach uh, in order for uh, our fellow Hoosiers to see economic and social prosperity and for our businesses to continue to thrive.
1: I need a quick answer on this, but how how long is it going to take? I mean, to turn this ship around, if you will.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think we have to be aggressive about it, which is why we've we've come out very forcefully in these recent days with this data. We've got to make folks aware of it. We've got to it, it's got to be an all hands on deck. We've got to look at the very near term. Uh, our team and I are looking at one, three, five and ten year projections to say, where should we be? I believe firmly we've got to completely reverse the trend and go beyond that. So you talked about 65 down to 53 yeah. percent. We've got to get back to the 65 and beyond in order for any, Indiana to thrive.
1: Chris Lowry is the state's uh, commissioner for higher education. Uh, big issue. and I will we'll be talking a lot more about it. Chris, thanks for
0: joining us. Gary, thank you. All right. What does St. Elmo's famous cocktail sauce have to do with a high-tech shipping platform company's decision to expand in central Indiana? Ship Sigma co-founder and CEO Chase Flashman came on the show to explain.
1: Okay, give us the model at ShipSigma, SaaS company, software as a, as a service, give us the business model.
3: Yeah, so we are a SaaS platform mm-hmm. that helps shippers that spend between $100,000 and $100 million a year reduce their costs. Yeah. Um, and we do that through technology, uh, data, and proven processes. Um, we have over 250 customers already that have saved $92 million since inception in eighteen. Has
1: demand, I don't know if the pandemic has, has increased, you know, demand for your services or not, but in terms of demand, you got a big market uh, out there. You talked about 100,000 to 100
3: million. Uh, how's demand and what's really driving demand? Yeah, so the demand has increased. Um, you know, We don't work with a lot of the shippers that just started a retail business or had the mom and pop and now went online. Um, we work with a lot of enterprise uh, level customers, a lot of Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you grow uh, your your talent pipeline, you're looking to hire 125 employees. I know IUPUI is a big uh, 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 supplier of talent. Yeah, uh,
3: so we love Indianapolis. We love the IUPUI School of Informatics. Uh, they've been a great pipeline uh, for tech talent. Uh, you know, so we're hiring data scientists, software developers, mm-hmm. software engineers. Um, we've also had a great relationship with TechPoint. Uh, so we have the externs. Um, you know, on the on the sales and the uh, the dev side yeah. uh, so that that's been fantastic and we are we're going to hire 125 folks by 2026. 20, uh, um, we have 25 current employees seven uh, brought on just this year alone mm-hmm. um, so I think we're on on track.
1: You mentioned you like growing your company here uh, logistics uh, uh, distribution logistics all those things very important part of the Indiana and the Indi- Indianapolis economy does that fit into your business model as well?
3: Yeah I mean absolutely Connexus is a great organization when I, when I think about that Um, But we work with with companies all over the the United States and the globe, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as long as they're shipping between a hundred thousand and a hundred million dollars a year, uh, they could be a client of ours. What's gonna be key to to, uh, that continued growth in your view? Well, you know, I think you saw the, the press release where we're deploying uh, $2 million uh, in capital, and that's, that's going towards uh, human capital, mm-hmm. and that's going towards continued technology development. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's those things in conjunction. Yeah, and again,
1: uh, to circle back, and you mentioned uh, TechPoint and IUPUI, the ability to grow a
3: company like yours in Indiana, uh, you feel good about it? Oh, a- absolutely, I mean, the sky's the limit. Um, our revenue growth since 18, we've we've had about 100% or more mm-hmm. year over year. Um, this year, we're on track to have over eight figures in annual reoccurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that trend is gonna continue.
1: All right, Chip Sigma is the company. Downtown Indianapolis, big growth plans, adding 125 uh, jobs. Chase Flashman, thanks for joining us. and We'll uh, look forward to following your story. Awesome, thanks
0: Gary. All right. It's been one of the sweet spots for donut lovers in central Indiana for almost 70 years. Long's Bakery is continuing to bring in the dough with some changes in the works. Reporter Mary Rachel Redman has the story.
3: We make everything from scratch and nobody makes them like we do. Just a stone's throw away from the motor speedway nestled on Indy's near west side. Long's Bakery has been the standard bearer of sweet for a half century. It all started in 1955 when Carl Long opened this Tremont Street Bakery. Literally from the day I was born, we'd been coming here,
4: you know, and when we would come and visit, you know, me and my brothers would come out here and hang out
3: in the bakery and we'd talk to the bakers. And now, they are the bakers. Cindy Reen, the granddaughter of Carl Long and her husband Joe, along with her two brothers, Dennis and Mike Reinhardt, are the third generation of family owners.
5: I started out as a fryer and then gradually started cutting, learned how to decorate cakes, and.
6: And do it all basically over 50 years. We all have a very good working rapport. You you have to talk. You just have to talk. We all got our little niche of stuff, and that's that's what makes it work. We've tried to do the same thing we've done since the you know since the beginning. Same ingredients and all that, and just made by hand, one at a time. Everything's made one at a time by hand.
7: Thank you. Delicious. Oh man. It does not get much better than just a plain old glazed Long's donut. They've been making the exact same
0: flavor, recipe, everything for over 67 years.
3: You can taste the history.
4: Amazing. Mm. The cooking machine is like the original cooking machine that we had. In 1955, the dentist has tweaked it.
6: All the computer systems, uh, it's all custom built just for us. So you don't lose the product. So it takes three hours to make a donut, so you don't really want to lose that time. We have like, all together like 15 shifts. There's probably 45 people that work here roughly. We got about 100 employees between both places.
3: And over the years, Long's has been the site of more than one love match.
4: His father and my grandpa were buddies which is how he came to work here.
5: I was working right here at the bench, and uh, she came in to see her mom in the office, and at the time, I didn't know who she was. I thought she was coming to apply for a job or something like that, <laughs> and I seen her, you know, and I said, wow, <laughs> I hope she
6: gets the job.
4: That's when I met Joe, and then it was ever since then.
3: Reinhardt says the key to Long's success, a great staff.
6: Like I say, it's up to the, it's the employees that, that make us. You treat them well, they do well for you.
4: Our employees work, I I think, harder than any place else. They come in here and they are
3: dedicated to this place. And in a world where nothing seems to stay the same, there's some comfort in knowing you can count on longs to stay the course. We're
4: not all about the fancy donuts, you know, with a lot of different toppings and stuff. We are about very basic, simple donuts that we've had for years that people can come in and eat two or three or four at a time, you know. Um, that's what we're not. They, they like the nostalgia of what they've always had.
0: Momentum is growing for mega projects or major economic development deals. Where does Indiana fit in? Genovus Executive Managing Director Larry Gigrich joined us with more on Indiana's strategy to land multi-billion dollar projects. Mega projects, as I mentioned, these are the big deals, right? Absolutely, so those large projects typically take a
8: lot of real estate, and as you noted, huge capital investment, huge number of jobs as well.
1: Yeah, I've got some examples here in Indiana, but first, one that got away was Intel recently, Mm -hmm. uh, going to Ohio. Uh, huge, what was it, something like $20 billion investment, 20,000 jobs?
8: Yes, yeah, so that was a project obviously Indiana competed very hard on, but yeah. came up a little bit short in the end. And one of the things that really helped Ohio was having a site ready to go, a very large site under control, ready for development, and also having incentive tools in place yeah. that really are helpful. And the IEDC has taken a lot of steps now with the Innovation District legislation to better position them going forward.
1: Yeah, and the whole Innovation District played into Eli Lilly and Company's big announcement. Uh, uh, $2 billion plus in terms of investment. Uh, Stellantis in Kokomo with the electric vehicle uh, operation there, again, $2 plus billion plus Those are two mega projects Indiana came out on the winning end of.
8: A- absolutely, and I think it helps certainly when you look at, again, that legislation that was just put in place, the IEDC's focus on these large projects. And certainly Stellantis in Kokomo has a presence there and understands our state, and Eli Lilly being headquartered certainly does as well. But the IEDC in particular on that Lilly deal, putting together a large site to attract these large mega-projects was really a big step forward.
1: This Site Selectors Guild survey I mentioned, it points to these mega projects not slowing down. There's a real, there are going to be more of these to compete for going forward.
8: Absolutely. So certainly North America is well positioned because of our stable environment. It's the best and safest place to invest money, but we're seeing more and more companies invest heavily in technology and automation and because of that in our manufacturing component of our economy being very strong, this is a place where we should be very well positioned.
1: What does Indiana need to do uh, more than they're doing now, let's say, to really successfully compete for these big, big projects, the investment dollars and the jobs? Yeah, I
8: think the biggest thing where we continue to have work to do is on the talent side. and I think in particular, and and the state leadership realizes this, we need to be doing more with our adults already in the workforce to continue to upskill them and help them in terms of what they're able to do certifications and those things, that's typically where we have more work to do. And then I do think, again, putting together a large piece of property where you have real estate ready to go, that was a big step for us.
1: Uh, Numbers came out from the Indiana Commission for Higher Education, really pretty stunning, talking about just barely 50% of high school graduates going on to post-high school education. We had Chris Lowry, the commissioner, on earlier in the show, and he said this is a wake-up call. Do you think this will rally, be it legislators and others, to kind of get their arms around this whole talent issue that you talk about? Yeah,
8: I I think so. I think in particular people are recognizing, and again, not every kid has a path to a four-year college, and we shouldn't push everybody every kid in that direction. But a two-year degree is credential or certification post high school is absolutely required now. And I do think people will recognize legislators and others that we need to be doing more here mm-hmm. and, and help, I think in particular, educate parents on what's important for opportunities for their kids and yeah. how to position them.
1: Yeah, so uh, we'll keep an eye on this uh, mega project trend. Before I let you go, uh, your take on the state of economic development in Indiana, these big projects, Lilly and Stellantis, adding to what is uh, close to $14 billion, I think, in planned uh, investment already through five months. So it would seem to be the numbers are trending in the right way.
8: Yeah, no, I think for sure. And I think there's really good momentum in Indiana and, frankly, in the Midwest pretty much as a whole, which is, I think, great for Indiana to see the Midwest do well. I think the other thing is we're just going to have to watch with inflation and interest rates a year from now. Mm -hmm. Does that have some effect on capital investment? I think that's our big unknown.
1: Larry Gigerich from Genovas has always
0: some great perspective, Larry. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Gary. All right. Remember, you can catch Inside Indiana Business television on stations throughout the state every weekend. Head to InsideIndianaBusiness.com to check listings. Marion University has a new approach to education. Students can take advantage of a new prep school coming to Marion. Head of school Alicia Schlebach joined us in our Ion Education segment.
1: Let's talk about this new school. Uh, uh, what's really driving it? What the, the idea behind uh, creating this new school?
7: So Marion University, this has been a long vi- a long time vision to have a school serving students. And going through the pandemic with the shutdown for schools really provided an opportunity and a need. So mm-hmm. we saw a need where parents were wanting to be more involved in their child's education. and um, They enjoyed being able Mm -hmm. to be there and then also the flexible scheduling that that provided Um, so marion university is equipped to provide a a program of high quality academic status Um, and so i think that's really the driving force
1: yeah something unique uh, too about this model is this is a hybrid model right there are those virtual models and uh, you know around but this uh, perhaps a bit unique because of that
7: absolutely so students will have the option to choose from two different programs they can attend with us Full time virtually. They can also attend our hybrid model, which is being with us virtually for part of the time and then two days a week coming on site to Marion University's campus working with our, our hybrid teachers.
1: Okay, you've got, uh, you're going to start out, ultimately you have a K 12 vision for the school, but you start out with maybe 300 students, grades six through nine, to begin this fall, right?
7: Yes, that's our hope. We are very excited to offer. Um, to as many students as we can, but we wanna start and do it well with 300 students.
1: And you're partnering uh, with uh, a publicly traded company, I think, Stride, to, to, to make this ha- happen. Tell us about Stride.
7: So we're powered by Stride, and they have been around in the virtual world of education for over 20 years. They are providing our lift to help launch and providing curriculum offerings for us to choose from, mm-hmm. along with with just lots of support.
1: Yeah. I know there's a bigger vision uh, here, and Dan Elstner, the president there at Marion, he's got a big vision on a lot of things. It it makes a lot of things happen there. But your idea is to to open up and begin really focused on Indiana. But you have an idea to really expand this model beyond Indiana.
7: We do. We hope to expand nationwide. So we're going to start in year one in Indiana and then build upon that, kind of take our pilot year and, and expand.
1: Yeah. What's been kind of the reaction so so far uh, from parents and others as they look at the school?
7: We've had a lot of excitement. We've had a lot of students interested, parents reaching out, lots of teachers wanting to join our team. So Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of excitement about being a part of something innovative and new. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of other educators and families see that there really is a need for what we're offering.
1: Brand new school coming to Marion University, a new virtual hybrid model, if you will. Alicia Schlebaugh, the head of school at Marion University Prep. Thank you very much. Good luck going forward. Thank you. All right.
0: Building character with a tee, a ball, and a club. That's the goal of the First Tee Program. Indiana Golf Executive Director Mike David spoke with Bill Benner on Inside Indiana Sports.
4: You're busier than ever, and uh, one of the offshoots we talked off before we went on the air. One of the positive offshoots of COVID. Is the number of new people it's driven to the uh, to the game of golf.
5: Yeah, you know, it's crazy it took a pandemic to drive this many people to the game, but there wasn't a lot of other safe things to do, and fortunately uh, people migrated to the golf course. Very fortunate for us in Indiana that the vast majority of the courses were opened throughout the pandemic. People found out it's great exercise, it's it's great for mental health, um, so yeah, they're they're still playing a, a couple years later, so it's all good. Well, speaking of migration and time,
4: you will be migrating to a new headquarters at Fort Benjamin Harrison, the Allison Pete Dye uh, facility and it's a, a wonderful gesture to name it after them, but it's going to be a Huge advancement for the IGA.
5: Yeah, you know, we had, we had a great relationship with the Legends for 25 years in Franklin. Um, that facility kind of served its purpose. We stopped doing our camps when first tee became uh, really relevant for us. So we looked at other options and, and uh, the fort came out as, as the leading candidate. Uh, we think we're gonna have a very visible site. And as you mentioned, the new facility is gonna be the Pete and Alistai Indiana Golf Center. So it'll hold uh, our administrative offices, our Indiana Golf Hall of Fame, and then the plan is to build an academy on the driving range where we will run First Tee programming and also PGA Hope programming.
4: You reference First Tee, a wonderful, wonderful program that, as I said in the open, introduces youth statewide to the game of golf and nationwide. Nationwide, yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah, it's a great program. It's a national youth development program. Obviously, golf is, is kind of the the lead um, function of it, but it really teaches the life skills, the character building traits that, you know, when you think about it, no other sport really asks you to call penalties on yourself other than golf. So there's just a lot of those life skills that can be gained from the game of golf. And uh, since we've been involved with First Tee the last 10 years or so, we've seen phenomenal growth. We're in 18 different communities around the state. We're literally reaching 100,000 kids a year with first tee programming. So the growth is phenomenal. And, and I, I think that'll continue.
4: As, as the growth continues, uh, the game continues to have a great impact it generates jobs uh, you did an economic impact of a number of years ago you're coming back with that but the numbers from the, the most recent one uh, are staggering
5: it's really shocking to hear how impactful golf is I mean that the study we did 10 years ago showed that 1.7 billion dollars in total economic impact to the state of Indiana every year there are over 21,000 there were over 21,000 jobs in the game of golf um, and it, it has 530 million dollars in wage income. And, and another very important aspect is that uh, $42.3 million in charitable giving was attributed to the game of golf. And that was 10 years ago. So we really think with the study we're doing uh, this year, those, those numbers are going to be much higher than they were before. And, and quickly, as we wrap up
4: the groundbreaking, you hope for the new uh, golf. Yeah, uh, we, we
5: hope to break ground in November, or December of 22. Of and then we hope to be in that new facility, um, November, or December of 23. Of exciting news on all fronts. Mike, yeah. David, executive
4: director, 32 years for the Indiana Golf Association. Thanks for being
0: with thanks. us. Thanks, thanks, Bill. Appreciate all it. Right. Eli Lilly and company is facing a potential class action lawsuit, and Indy's Innovation Challenge gets a big boost. We talk about those stories and more with IBJ editor Leslie Weidenbenner.
1: Yeah, I mentioned uh, Lilly could be the latest uh, in a series of big companies facing these class action lawsuits dealing with 401K retirement plans.
9: Yeah, this is all about the fees that companies charge. Uh, their the participants in the 401k plan, and this Lily's not alone in this. And Lily has not responded yet to this lawsuit. They've denied any uh, of the claims. But this is happening across the country. It's really the latest wave in these kinds of employer class action lawsuits. And a lot of companies have ended up settling in these cases and revamping some of their programs to have lower fees.
1: OK, technology, obviously a big focus of the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. We remember, a year ago, the Indiana Autonomous Challenge got a lot of attention uh, focused on Indiana. A lot of people thought that was a big success. Now the IEDC says they want to invest about three and a half million dollars to kind of take that uh, idea, if you will, to the next level.
9: Yeah, the Indiana, uh, the Indiana Autonomous Challenge was actually part of the corporate Indiana Um, The Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, this will kind of spin that off and create an um, Indy Innovation Challenge. And the IEDC has given more than $3 million trying to get it off the ground. They're going to be looking for new things to do that are like the challenge, but take it in a new direction. Okay,
1: uh, a new direction, really a continual direction, has been uh, growth and construction in Westfield. I know another project has been talked about for uh, a while. You're going to talk about that getting off the ground now in Westfield.
9: Yeah, there's construction is getting ready to start on Grand Millennium. There's actually demolition already underway. Right now, it's a $190 million plan. Right now, that includes a library, a medical facility, but eventually it's going to include apartments, restaurants, retail all the kinds of things that you uh, see now in these urban developments. And, Gary, before I let you go, I just want to mention that IBJ is coming out with its Indiana 100 publication in this week's issue. That's the 50 largest public and the 50 largest private companies in the state. And we've got a great feature with Do It Best CEO Dan Starr about their new headquarters that's coming up.
1: Very good. OK, always look forward to that list and much more. Leslie wyden as always, thanks for joining us. Have a great
0: weekend. Thanks so much. And finally this week, our insiders weigh in on Indiana's top business stories. This week's panel includes Katz-Corin Cunningham attorney Norris Cunningham, Next Tech president Karen Jung, and Marion University senior vice president of strategic growth and innovation, Kenneth Britt. Big news, uh, actually
1: a little over a week ago, with this report, an annual report from the Indiana Commission for Higher Education, Norris, that uh, really some stunning numbers. Uh, barely half, 53% of high school seniors going on to college or post-high school education, down from 65%, I think, five or six years ago. Yeah. A lot of people were shocked by those numbers.
6: Um, well, there's a lot of work to do, right? There's uh, quite a bit of work to do to uh, uh, to arrest and and, mm-hmm. and uh, turn around these numbers. Um, you really have to be concerned when when you um, see these uh, sort of numbers, particularly um the fact that it's a 12% drop over the last five years, which means that we can't blame it on the pandemic. Right. 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 I mean, it, it really is something that's been going on for a while. And, um, uh, it's going to take some public-private partnerships it's going to take some more funding it's going to take a lot of uh, innovation in order to um, to get us to a place where, where we're back to 60 70 um, yeah. percent at least uh, on their way to college.
1: yeah Karen, you're in the education space you're, you're just your reaction overall to this because I think a lot of people were, were, were again stunned at how dramatic the drop has been
10: it's uh, it has been astounding honestly yeah. and to look at it from the perspective of We need to ask, first of all, who's not going to college, Mm -hmm. but then why are they not going to college? And there's gonna be some certainly valid reasons, but there's a number of them that can be overcome. If it's funding, if it's just a a general belief they can't do it, so we have to really dig into the why so we can Mm -hmm. start to address those issues and better equip, and really accelerate uh, individuals' path to college. Yeah,
1: one of those issues identified as cost. And yep. Chris Lowry the, new, uh, Lowry, the new commissioner for higher education, said part of it is, is just kind of getting the word out and dispelling some what he termed myths right. about the cost and the value uh, of that.
10: And one of the, exactly, there's this perceived return on a value that I don't need a four-year degree, I could do something more accelerated. And the other part is there are countless programs, one of those being the 21st Century Scholars Program, where really less than 20% of eligible graduates participated, Mm -hmm. if we could just drive better participation in things like that, a program that will pay for your college, Mm -hmm. I think we'll see those numbers rise.
11: The other issue that Chris Lowry talked about, and I was just with Chris last night, along with the former U.S. Secretary of Education, and we were talking about these pressing issues, we have to make high school more relevant. We have to get internships. We have to do what you know, the Fairbanks Foundation has been leading on with apprenticeship models and making sure that students finish high school and prepared not only for college and post-secondary options, but for the workforce as well.
6: Yeah, you know, Gary, I would, I would mention, and, and uh, Kent is exactly right. Uh, my my firm has been uh, in a partnership with Arsenal Tech High School uh, for the last year and a half, uh, teaching their law education class. Um, some of our attorneys also working to uh, to coach their uh, mock trial team. We did very well last year, and we're, we're very good. pleased with yeah. that. But it's those kinds of of. of uh, partnerships. I, I think that it's that's really going to give kids the sense that this is something that I can do, and they can see people who look like them, mm-hmm. uh, who are who are um, who are attorneys, um, who are professionals, and uh, and I think it'll build that desire. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got an intern from Arsenal Tech High School starting at our firm on Monday, and wow. we're very pleased about it. Um, that's an individual who's going to be surrounded by folks who are college graduates who can tell her about mm-hmm. college, who can talk to her about. Uh, about what opportunities are out there. And we, we need more of that mm-hmm. in order to uh, arrest some of these numbers.
1: Yeah, big story. No doubt we'll be following for a while. Another big story surprised uh, more than a few people uh, this week when Purdue President Mitch Daniels announced his uh, intent to step down, retire his president uh, of the university, be uh, succeeded by uh, engineering uh, dean uh, Meng Chang. Uh, Norris, I'll start with you. Uh, what's next for Mitch Daniels?
6: That's that's a big question,
1: <laughs> right? What do you do? What do, you do,
6: what do yeah. you do when you've been a successful governor and an incredibly successful university president? I mean, yeah. what he's been able to do at Purdue. When I mean, you think about the fact that that um, they've had a tuition freeze for the entire time that he has been there for nine years, that is that's remarkable in the context of, of where you see higher education
1: yeah.
6: uh, expenses going. And and um, so um, I don't know, but if there's a big problem in Indiana, we need to be asking Mitch to help Mitch to help <laughs> fix it, right? Yeah. yeah.
10: Yeah, one of the things, not sure what his plans are, I think that's the million dollar question, but even going back to the last topic, though, you know, Mitch has also been a visionary in thinking about reaching down into the high school, thinking of Purdue Polytechnic, and it's really starting that pathway while students are still in high school. Mm -hmm. So we need more of those things, and that's where I think he's had a huge impact even in that regard.
1: Yeah, Kenneth, your reaction, uh, because uh, Mitch, uh,
11: you know, has... It had
1: a big impact on edu- at Purdue, but higher education,
11: I think, overall. Absolutely, I mean, incredible leader, visionary, everything that we just talked about. Uh, but I think this was a brilliant move by the board. Mm-hmm. You know, going internally, there's significant leadership and talent at Purdue. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go and do a long, drawn out search. It disrupts the momentum. Mung is an exceptional, innovative leader at Purdue. Uh, a Friend of mine is a dean, fellow dean, a colleague, actually in the search committee, when they hired him as the engineering dean, you know, he told me yesterday, unbelievable leader. He's going to continue yeah. to take Purdue to places that no one else could.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, a couple of big deals we want to get to uh, this week: Prologis acquiring Duke Realty, a uh, twenty-six billion dollar deal. But uh, the one I think that's resonating with a lot of people: MS Communications selling uh, its radio state its Indianapolis radio stations, really getting out of the radio business uh, to Urban One. Uh, Norris, your take on that on a, yeah. on a number of fronts?
6: Well, um, so uh, obviously, you you have a local company like Emmis. Um, Uh, stepping away from from all of those uh, the stations that they have here locally that that feels like a big loss but I I will tell you it is it's tempered by the fact that uh, Urban One is is an incredible um, African-American owned company Um, Kathy Hughes is an icon Um, and 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 so here's an opportunity for them uh, to, to really expand their footprint here in Indianapolis, they have a number of stations uh, in Indianapolis, and now adding these additional MS stations, I think, is is, is going to be very, very good for the uh, for the city. And, and and quite frankly, again, they're such a great organization. I, I think that we're going to see that. Uh, That it's going to be uh, beneficial for all.
1: Yeah, kind of, uh, kind of, it is the end of an era, if you will, when you look at Jeff Smulyan and and in and the Indianapolis radio stations. As Nora said, an opportunity uh, for growth and uh, those types of things in Indianapolis. But Jeff Smulyan leaves a legacy,
11: significant leadership legacy that he's left on this city. It's about culture, right? We're great to see. It's great to see. The radio station um, and the impact that he's had specifically, the radio station, now Urban One, and the culture that they have. And I've had a chance to work with them as well. Great people, exceptional (laughs) culture, and it's great to see that that transition will happen.
1: Yeah, Indiana on a global stage as we wrap up. Uh, The Indiana Tech ecosystem uh, got a big uh, shout-out, if you will, Uh, in London at the London Tech Week uh, Global Summit, exploring uh, really all things uh, technology. Uh, Indiana in Indianapolis, top 40 Tech ecosystem uh, globally. So, Karen, that's uh, that's some, you know pretty high praise.
10: Very much so. You think of all the growth in companies over the last 10 years within the tech ecosystem, whether it's through major acquisitions, the Salesforce acquisition of ExactTarget or just the new companies that have also sprung out of all that capital. Yeah. It's great to see it being recognized on a global stage. Yeah. And do you think Indiana uh,
1: more broadly and Indianapolis in particular beginning to fight through that clutter and be recognized outside of the Midwest as, as a tech Absolutely. Ecosystem. If you
10: look, I think just even the venture capital dollars that have flown into the community, into the companies here is one of the best attestments, if you will, to uh, being recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's we're no longer that little uh, corn belt state, if you will, in terms of tech tech uh, technology. Very yep. good.
1: Karen Jung, also Kenneth Brett, Norris Cunningham. Thank you one and all.
0: That wraps up this week's Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can find all of this week's TV segments as well as the top business news from throughout the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our platform of free e-newsletters. This is Andy Ober for Inside Indiana Business.